You are listening to the Sickleton Noise Podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Supported by RCF. For over 70 years, RCF's passion for perfection is the driving force behind designing professional audio products and creating unique experiences for venues around the globe. The HDL 50A 4K, the latest large format active three-way line array system, is no exception. Learn more at rcf-usa.com for the latest news and product information. RCF, the sound behind the experience. For the most comfortable headphones that you can wear all day, check out the Audix Pro Studio range starting at just $99. Find out more at audixusa.com. Allen and Heath has asked us to read this. Food for thought. There is no egg in eggplant, not ham and hamburger, neither apple or pine in pineapple, English muffins weren't invented in England, or french fries in France. What a world we live in. I wish I could break free Back to where I'm supposed to be Oh shit, okay. Welcome to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Chris Leonard, you're not ready for this. What's the coolest thing you got within arm's reach? Uh, I am actually ready for this. I've, I've actually been waiting for We haven't this. done it in a couple of weeks. I know we haven't, and I've been waiting for this, actually. So I'll, I'm actually prepared. Um, so uh, one Saturday morning, uh, my five-year-old uh, wanted to do arts and crafts. And so I, you know, that meant like cutting up um, like construction paper and like, you know, making things or whatever. So I made this little um, uh, soundboard, uh, as you would. Um, and uh, it has, you know, it's about a 10 channel console. It's got faders. It has auxes and EQ. It's got VU meters. And I made a speaker stack as well. So that that's the cool thing with arms reach. So it's like <laughs> approximately a, a one fifth scale uh, construction paper. Yes. Mixing console. Very nice. Um <laughs> I actually kind of treated myself a little bit. Um, I'm working on some research that necessitated me having an oscilloscope, and I've never had a scope. And for years, I've run into projects where I was like, gee, if I only had a scope, um, which was the first draft of that song from The Wizard of Oz, and they didn't think it was catchy, so <laughs> we did it. But um, I bought a scope. My friend Sam Fine helped me pick one out, and I don't know anything about it, but... Um, Wait, did you get like I have an a scope? Ex- not not like software based scope, like an actual. No, it's an scope. actual. Yeah, hold yeah. on, I'll, I'll hold on. Because <laughs> oh, oh, you posted the- you posted about some software scope the other day, and that's the only reason I. Oh yeah, look at that. That's no, a, that's it's it's not a software scope. It has the ability to display data onto a computer. There's mm. a so the mo- I'm not because someone's going to ask. The model is a Regal DS 1054Z. You can get it on the network. Or USB, so Ooh. I can talk to a computer. Um, but what I put on the Discord was there's a little print button, and you can actually connect it to a printer, like straight up plug it into a printer with a printer cable, which is crazy. And when you press a printer button, it will print out a literal paper version of whatever's on the screen. Um, but if you put a USB drive in the USB port and you press the print button, it will capture an image. Um, so nice. it's a really kind of cool way to when when the you know the research i'm working on is look at this waveform so that's a really nice way to uh 
display that stuff, which I think is really cool. So I have a lot of learning to do and I've been doing some reading and, and learning so far. Um, but it's pretty cool and I'm, I'm learning a lot. So that's my scope. Uh, nice. So Chris, Brian, who is our guest this week? Our guest this week's this week is Maxime Brunet, as as close as I can get with not speaking <laughs> French, and I probably already butchered it from there. But uh, from Montreal, welcome. Hey, nice. You were <laughs> at Outside Lands, and we came like very close to each other. It was like binary stars, but we didn't we didn't uh, collide. We were. I didn't realize the site was so big and so oh, spread dude. out, and that there was no kind of back access. So yeah, I wish we could have met up, but uh, yeah, I was stuck in kind of the EDM world. It's um, yeah. The thing is that this is this year was our second year doing work there. And the first year we were like, oh yeah, we'll just send some laptops and like send a Michael go and like it's all good. And then we got there and we we're like, oh my god, it's fucking huge. And one one <laughs> stage calls and goes like, hey something's wrong with our thing. Can you come over and look at it? And you're like, yeah, I'll see you in a half an hour. And I had a golf cart, but as soon as the doors open, there's 90,000 people there. So the golf cart becomes useless. So you're just smashing it. Yeah, it, it's huge. It's an enormous uh, area. And there becomes a point about 4.30 or 5 o'clock where you're going to just stay on whatever stage you're at because you're not going to be able to get where you need to go after that point. So, um, but I don't know, maybe you felt like, we felt each other's positive vibes or something over the <laughs> It was a great festival actually. I had a great time. But yeah, What stage were you Jamie... on? Oh my god. Um Jamie was the system engineer. Oh, so you were at uh the Land's End stage. Sure, it was like EDM ish, I would say. Twin Peaks, you were at the Twin Peaks stage. Yeah. You're down at there's there's Twin Peaks and Land's End, I think and you're on you're on Land's End. Um you're like way down at the corner. You're it's like the big big with with all the K two, and like ten delay towers. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, no. <laughs> well, no. Um, there must have been delays behind front of house. To be honest, yeah, like it was just so them. packed that yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the fun stage. That's John Nielsen stage from uh, from Sound on Stage or the vendor over there. And John, um, <laughs> JB figured out last year that that's the stage to hang out at because John brings a grill to front of house and he is cooking nice. food for the techs all day. I did not see stage. the grill, but it <laughs> was a great, like the crew was great. So he must keep them happy. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, so, well, that's cool. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Maybe I'll see you there next year. Let's hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, Chris, well, I, I've, I'm done hijacking your thing. Nah, there's no hijack. We're, we're having a conversation. This is what we do. Um, no. Uh, so I, I'm curious. Uh, obviously, I've seen you on socials and, and the Sound Girls uh, virtual conference and, and things like that. Uh, but I've noticed you've had uh, what seems to be like an interesting journey uh, over the past, you know, like maybe specifically the pandemic in terms of going back into some education and things like that. You know, you've been touring for the last like 10 years or so. Um, so let's, let's go back to the cliche thing. Like how did you, how did you get started in audio? Um, so when I was in high school, uh, I had a, got an internship actually at a, what you guys would call a college radio station. And Wait, I ended what do you up doing, call it? we call it a campus community and it was at a university cause we don't call like you guys call universities, colleges across the board. And we it, call it, colleges, it, it, colleges. I, actually, I learned, I learned actually a very hard lesson um, about the difference between a university and a college in the States. There, there are a difference and some of them take it very seriously. Here's how I There's learned. There's a difference here too. I don't want to uh, say it, but yeah. 
actually, and I should know what the actual definition difference is here in the states of uh, university versus college, but I'm sure a lot of it has to do with money um, <laughs> and accreditation or something. As or whatever. things do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there was a university uh, that was in the area that I did an install for um, on their soccer field. And in, and we did use these new speakers um, and I was all excited about it. And I did like a press release about it, this, that, and the other. And I failed to get permission from the university. And oh. we, happened to, we happened to call them a college. I'm not going to say the name of the, of the university, but Oof. it was, you know, blank at a college as opposed to blank university. Um, and because these universities and colleges or businesses have like bots on the internet that as soon as anything like mentions their name, they get like pings, you know, so they know if like people are talking about them or whatever. Um, and I had to go to the publishing magazines and the manufacturer and have them scrub it from all the things. And it was, so that's when oh I learned, God. Yes, even in the U S there is a difference between <laughs> university and college. <laughs> okay. I guess colloquially everybody says college, but they don't sure. mean college. Harvard sure. is not a college. We know that. Um, but yeah, I uh, I was doing an internship there and I ended up doing a lot of work in the production studio. So recording ads, mm. um, kind of putting together little pieces. And uh, they liked me so much that they gave me a job. So I was like 16 and I had what I thought was a pretty cool, legit job. Uh, stayed there for a while. I was playing in bands at the time too, kind of punk rocky type stuff. I'm not you, the best musicians. Um, at the time, I was playing bass, uh, and then I kind of got into let's let's call it singing. Let's call it screaming. Maybe. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Oh, Kyle's gonna be <laughs> mad that he's not here. I am not an opera singer, but uh, yeah, I got into kind of recording my own bands, mixing that. Uh, and I will say, at the time, I was dating a sound engineer, and I was like, man, I bet I could do that too. You know, like, <laughs> it can't be that hard. <laughs> uh, that's kind of the the type of person I am, I guess. And uh, I was I'm from Ottawa, Canada, and uh, a few people kind of let me shadow. Uh, at clubs nice. and uh, eventually one of the venues needed a tech and a friend kind of stuck me in there uh, and it was a very frantic first weekend like the first show I think was kind of primarily DJs and it went very well mm. the second show had bands it did not go well um, this, <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest you know the sound check went well and I still don't really understand why the sound check went well I figure like probably <laughs> the singer wanted more of himself like that's what happened but insane feedback and uh, we're on the second floor of the venue. There was a venue on the first floor. And I was like, oh, man, if I just run out the door, no one will catch me. <laughs> and it's going to be totally chill. <laughs> and I caught myself. And I'm like, if I run out, I will never get another gig again. Okay. So, like, let's try and figure this out. And the cool thing about that place is that generally there'd be two shows, two separate shows. And kind of the better techs were working downstairs. So I'd just go and be like, hey, man, like, I don't know what's happening. Shit's crazy. Can you help? And they'd be like, oh, like hey, I think you like overgraft your monitors, you know, like try this, try that. Uh, and yeah, over time, I, I made it down myself to the big venue. That was a, a big day for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Max, what's the coolest thing within arm's reach? Oh, yeah. We, yeah, oh, we God. should do that. <laughs> I forgot to ask you. Um, I don't think it's cool, but I'm excited to read this. This book, uh, Ticketmasters, Ticketmasters, The Rise of the Concert Industry and How the Public Got Scalped. Ooh. Uh, which is probably topical right now. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Um, but it's actually an old book. It's from 2012. But yeah, it's kind of Whoa, relevant to my master's crazy. research. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, anyways, I, I picked it up because it's relevant to my master's research. Uh, but I, I also love kind of staying up with what's what's in the news right now. And uh, Ticketmaster is a real favorite right now, it seems. Mm. Uh, no, yeah, certainly. Loves, every, I, I'm just fascinated. The most loved was, company in history of the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm fascinated that that title is on that book from 2012, and here we are today, 
with what's still going on. So that's that's very interesting. Um, well, let's talk about you know your education. So actually, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. Is that sure. you know it seemed like um, and I don't know what you know inspired it, but I mean I guess over from what I'm picking up by looking back at you know your timeline <laughs> and stuff is that <laughs> through the pandemic you decided to go back to school. Um, uh-huh. Or, or you can tell me, but I, the one the one um, post that you had made um, <laughs> that I wanted to ask about, quite frankly, because um, uh, I thought it was fitting. This is actually a year ago. Um, it said, "How do I transfer the dopamine rush of mixing shows to reading academic articles?" Um, and so, anyway, what was your education <laughs> journey like over the past year or two? I have not found the answer. I just want to <laughs> say to that: <laughs> you cannot replace it. I am an addict. Um, so when, I guess I'll backtrack to 2020 is that, um, in 2019, I was living in Toronto. So I lived in Toronto for about five years and that's kind of where I got my start in touring, actually, uh, better touring gigs and better house gigs. Uh, and I decided that I wanted to move to LA kind of, cause I mean, it is the center of the industry, I would say North America. And, uh, in January, 2020, I moved oh. to LA, <laughs> uh, which was incredible timing. You know, obviously hindsight is, uh, 2020, but, uh, I'm sorry. yeah, in March, 2020, <laughs> I, I went back to my parents in Ottawa for two weeks, uh, you know, a year and a half later. Um, yeah, I just didn't, you know, I, I didn't really know what to do with myself. Mm. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in political science. Actually, I don't have any sort of education relating to sound. And I decided to just do what they call a graduate certificate, uh, which just assumes that you have an undergrad kind of in any field in communications just to kind of occupy my time because it was a three semester course. So really, that's kind of what kept me busy at the tail end of 2020 uh, and into 2021. And when I finished the certificate, I was like, you know what, I guess I could apply to a master's now. Like I had considered doing a master's when I was 22. I'm happy I didn't. Uh, Yeah, so I'm currently doing a master's in media studies. Uh, at Concordia in Montreal. So that's that's my education journey. Nice. That's cool. You know, it's so funny to me that every time we have somebody on the show and we say, well, what's your background? And everyone's like, well, my path is non-traditional. And if there's anything that I want people to <laughs> like take out of this after asking that question to 180 people is that everybody's path is is non-traditional if you want to look at it that way like everyone everybody's got this idea of some ideal path and no one actually takes that path so uh there are a lot of people i talk to a lot of early career people that feel um maybe inferior or whatever because they feel like they didn't come up through the traditional way and it's just like you know so what like that that's not a thing like we've, we've just sort of constructed this like artificial uh you know, path and everybody got into this through a different method. And so, you know, that's why we, that's, that's why we asked that question. Cause it's, you know, the, the sample size is big enough now that you can look at that and go, all right, well, like there's no reason to feel like you don't have a shot at trying to do whatever you want to do just cause you didn't take a certain path to get there. That's all. That's no, all I want to sure. say. And I, I was TAing last year, some students and the, there's a sound stream in the undergr- undergraduate communications program here. And uh, some of the kids kind of just asked, like, yeah, how do you do get into touring? And I'm like, yeah, I just told them the story. I'm like, you know, it, I almost did this undergraduate program that you guys are doing. I did not. I still got into it. You know, like, it, it's really what you're chasing and who you're meeting and who you're talking to and what you're, you know, re- who you're relentlessly pursuing. You know, every single band that ever came through that tiny venue, they're like, we love you. I'm like, okay, you want my number? You want to take me on tour? <laughs> like, 
I, you really kind of just got to chase your dreams, I guess. Um, what was that? Just were, were you able to be outgoing like that to everyone? And, and is that kind of how you were able to get picked up on tour or did that come naturally or did you have to fight for that? What was that like to be outgoing like that? I think I'm a pretty outgoing person generally. Um, and I will say that most of the gigs I got was because, and I think we're moving away from that era. I really hope we do, but it was kind of the tail end of the grumpy sound guy era. Uh, and I got to say sound guy because it was all sound guys. Mm. And I started getting more and more shifts because they're like, oh, that guy got in a fight with the bands again. Mm. So they've specifically said they won't play here if he mixes. So you got to do it. You know, and then that's just kind of how I met like really the first band who ever paid me to go out of town was a local band. And they're like, yeah, we just love you. You're really nice. You're approachable. You listen to us. That's why we're going to take you out. So I, I always kind of took that to be uh, what I needed to promote. Man, I. I love that um, idea of like, hey, like being like, what's with like aggressively assertive, like, hey, I really <laughs> want to work with you. Like, hey, here's my number. Like, hey, like it, it's it's sort of that squeaky wheel gets the grease thing. Like a, a lot of it is just, you know, for 50 people who go like, gee, that'd be cool for the one person that actually like does something about it. Like that's where the people's success comes from. Um, we talked about this on a panel, I believe we did. We said this on a panel, didn't we? <laughs> and we, yeah. and I, you know, based on the people who emailed, you know, you can always tell. So yeah, wait a minute. Really, guys, maybe is what? Sorry. Were you guys on a panel together? We did. Yes. Yeah. We did oh, the sound girls thing. Yeah. I'm a dumbass. Yeah, the virtual right. conference. Yeah. You didn't go. You did you? I was doing other that? Panel. I was. Oh, I, I was. I was doing other sessions. <laughs> there was a lot of competing sessions. There were. There, it was. I thought they should have given everybody like a pool cue and just you fight to the death, and then whoever wins, <laughs> that's the session you go to. It should have just had violence built in. No, I, I mean that's 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 a real thing though. Is is overcoming that initial speed bump of reaching out to somebody? I mean, we say it all the time, but like that's that's the secret to success for so many people that just instead of sitting around thinking about it, be the one who does send the email or make the call. I mean, I, I'd love that. So no. And I mean, maybe I think I'm a little shyer now than when I was 21, 22, you know, and I was not reaching out to uh, Britney Spears, you know, it was like the local metal <laughs> band, um, no, no shade to the local metal band, you know, they need a tech too, but it was really like, I was like, okay, well, we're kind of on the same level, you know, like I never would have hit up the headliner. Like they obviously had their own tax or whatever, but the like, you know, the local band or the band from, I guess, Montreal or Toronto at the time, I'm like, this seems really approachable. You know, like, why would I not ask? Uh, and you can say no. And many people said no. You know? But you asked. Yes. Eventually there was yeses. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's, I mean, there's something to be said too. I mean, in this, not just an audio, but in this industry in general, though, like, and we kind of preach this a little bit of like the being the good hang or being the approachable person. I mean, you don't necessarily have to be the best mixer or the best, you know, LD, the best backline tech or whatever. But I mean, if you can get your gig done without being an asshole um, and, and and care, I mean, that almost always goes more than, you know, whether you are, you know, the A-level arena mixer or not. For sure. I did a gig relatively recently where I got a call afterwards and they said, well, they really liked you because you um, you talked to the front of house engineer. <laughs> <laughs> like I swear, to, it, it, like that that was it. It wasn't anything about like I mean, obviously they were they were happy with the work that I did technically. Otherwise, I wouldn't. You don't call and ask somebody back if they did a bad job. But but what they said to me was, you were nice to everybody and you talked to front of house. 
And that's why they wanted me to come back. And I'm like, really? Like, who's not? That's your whole gig. If you're a systems engineer and you're not talking to the front of house engineer, you're not doing your job, you know? And it was just it was just amazing to me. So I don't think it, that stuff should be taken for granted, like how much that does matter to people when, you, when you're pleasant and you're nice to work with and how, how positive of an experience that leaves somebody with, like, they're going to call you back again, you know? Um, and, and I mean, by just the way... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, just to flip it around, though, I think a hard lesson for me to learn was that I am not everybody's cup of tea, though. You know, like I can try my best and do the best job I thought I could do and, you know, still not get a call back. And it's not necessarily, yeah, a jab at my technical skills or whatever, but sometimes you're not the right hang. Sometimes you're not the right fit, uh, you know, and and that was, a, I think, a tough lesson to learn when I started working, for sure. But, that, but that's that's powerful, though, because if you're able to... Uh, introspectively self-reflect on what does work for you and what what connections work. Um, it's you will able to be more um, have a healthier headspace when you don't get the call or don't get accept because it's like as opposed to like oh they don't like like no, it's okay that they don't like these attributes it's cool I'm not right fit for them or vice versa right so I think that's a much healthier than just to think that like well why wouldn't everybody want me? You know what I mean? I don't know. It's, it's It was certainly not. It didn't come the day after I lost the gig, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say that. But I, yeah. I'm, well, I'm glad you said that though. Like that's really, that's a really interesting thing. And I think it's sort of, I think of it sort of like hiring a, a composer for a film score. Like maybe you really like Philip Glass, but is Philip Glass's particular style the appropriate thing for every project? No, it's not. You know, I, I can think of, a gig that I did last year where I came in and I said, look, I know this is what you're carrying, but this is not the right product for this room. <laughs> it, you know, it costs you zero dollars because it's already here, but it's not, it's not going to do what you want and it's not going to be the right experience for people. And I recommend that you do this other thing and they rented in the other thing that I asked for, even though it costs some money. And so that's kind of thing where some productions are not about that. They want to just, you know, do it and do it quick and do it cheap and get it up. And so you are sort of, like you said, you're sort of putting yourself out there where like, maybe that's not the vibe and maybe they don't want you back. Now in that case, I was asked back, which is, which is cool. Um, but it's just a, and it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you or that you're bad or hard to work with. It's just the way that you approach your job in your work and the way that you bring your experiences to what you're doing may not be a good fit for the camp. I, I think that's a real, I'm really glad you said that because I don't think anybody said that, Chris, I think, that's a something that no one's brought up yet. Yeah, maybe, maybe not directly. I mean, any other thing that I've kind of preached a lot too um, uh, is is sometimes there's politics involved that just you know, regardless of how good of a tech mixer person you are or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you're just you weren't friends for 10 years with the tour manager who wanted their buddy or whatever back on that tour. And no matter how good you did, you, Mm -hmm. you know, you were only going to be that fill in or or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of versions of politics, but some people have a hard time accepting that there are just politics involved, you know, in touring and in corporate world, whatever. Um, And that's, you have to accept that sometimes. I, I accept it, but I go so far to my way to not pay attention to it. Because I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to show up and I'm no, going to do my but, gig, you know. But you, I'm it's real. A firm, it's, you, I'm you're a firm believer. Right. It's a you, have to, you have to be socially aware that that's a thing. Yes. And I think that's there's a, there's a maturity thing in some people when they are, um, 
and not necessarily um, maturity and you have to have been in the business 15 years because I recognize this at a very early age or very young, um, early on in my career, but just a sense of maturity and an awareness of it. And it, not that you have to play the game, but recognize that no matter – because people often will project – negativity onto themselves out of nothing and 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 bring themselves down and so you know we've had some close friends and people within our communities that like that's what like hey like i can i can see what's happening here and it's not you Mm -hmm. so yeah yep no that's that's yeah i i just think in general um i fully acknowledge that that's the reality of it and sort of paradoxically as as you move up to higher tier gigs, let's say that becomes more of a factor. Yes. It's not a rise above it thing. You sort of start jumping into deeper water with it, but I Mm -hmm. really am not interested in it. And I really want to just go out and get along with people and do my job. And if they don't want to have me back, that's totally fine. I'm not going to make a thing out of it. I don't care. I'm going to go on to do the next thing. I, I, I think you can not ignore it completely, but there's a certain amount of it. We're just like, I'm not going to, entertain that because it's silly sure. and i'm just going to do my gig um you know i i always use front fills as an example but there are situations where front fills are political and the lighting <laughs> person doesn't want them there and the production manager doesn't want them there and there's sight lines and there's all these things and you're like okay that's cool but i have people on here who can't hear yeah so i'm gonna do what i would do what i think is best if someone higher up wants to say those can't go there i'm gonna make sure they understand the decision they're making but it's their call. Go ahead. And then when you come to me later on and say, well, we had refund requests on front. I'm going to say, remember that conversation we had? <laughs> you don't have to play the game. It's like, it's your show, man. Like, I made my recommendation. You can take it or leave it. But I'm yeah. not. I think, and you know, man, I talked to somebody over the weekend about this because they, they kind of got screwed over on a gig. And they were a tech for like, it's like a breakout room or a delay or like just a portion of this thing. And they were like, hey, I don't have what I need to do this. This is not going to work. And they were like, yeah, that's cool. And it didn't work. And there was a bunch of people that were really mad. And I was like, you can't just carry that stress with you now. That shouldn't raise your blood pressure. That's not your problem. You did your job. You told the people whose decision it was that it was not going to work. Mm-hmm. It, it's not up to you to make that call. It's up to them. They made the call. So no skin off your teeth. I'm not saying don't care about your job. But what I am saying is not every everybody's bad decision becomes your emergency that has to like, you know, raise your stress level and decrease your blood blood. You know, you're you're like, I don't want to die early because someone else is trying to be cheap. Right. Yeah. So you really have to figure out a way. And I hate using the word detachment for something like this, but not get so personally. Um, it's not a slight against you. It's not. Don't take it as such. Don't personalize that. You know what I mean? And and yeah. if you and, and that's that's really hard for people who care about what they're doing and have a passion for their work. It's very, very hard to kind of just step back and let something suck. Mm-hmm. Because the whole culture that we try to encourage on people is not to do that. But you have to also take care of yourself too. And tomorrow's another show. You know? Mm-hmm. And I just I really again, I'm like, is that gonna be my next tattoo? Um, but you know, like spending years in venues and you'd watch people come in and they'd be yelling like the minute they push the first case in and you're like, damn, okay, today's going to suck because your week has sucked and now you're going to take it out on me because I'm just the poor little house tech or whatever, you know? And it's just not, I really try not to live my life like that. I mean, obviously there's outside factors. Sometimes you're just having a bad day, but you know, you're not going to get the best out of people when you come in yelling. 
Yeah, it's funny when I went out, went out to see Kyle. Uh, he, you know, he's on tour right now with Max, and uh, he said like that was one of his goals in this tour was to be the nicest person that every one of these clubs has seen ever, right? And you know, he's like, um, you know, and like he would ask like a, a house stage tech or whatever to like do something or whatever, and and he said to me, he's like, hey, he's like, he's like, uh, it's like you can tell that 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 guy, you know, is like he's been he's been abused meaning like verbally like yelled yeah, at yeah, before. Yeah. you know what i mean like 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 you know he was shocked at like the way i asked him or was cool with what he you know like you know don't don't you don't have to ask me you know what i mean I have permission to do this you know like that's a thing and it's like he because he's he basically seeing the the damage of what you're saying and people coming into a club and not giving a shit about the local crew and this that and the other and he's like my goal on this tour was to be the nicest human that any of these clubs have ever seen no, and I mean, I got that one day in the spring. Some kid thanked me for being nice, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what have you been through?" Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. That's what Kyle's um, saying, oh, right? Yeah, you're like 24, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I said that when we had KD on the show, we had just done a Miguel show together, and she was like, "Hey, thanks for not yelling at me." I was like, "What? Like, why is like that's a real thing?" And it's like, and she's a grown woman that what she shouldn't have to say that to anybody, you know? And it was just like I was like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "Well, a lot of people, you know." dealing with the stuff that we've dealt with today, they wouldn't be yelling at me. I'm like, that's, that's not, first of all, none of it was your fault. Second of all, even if it was like, that's still not going to fix it. Like that's crazy. And, and so I think it was, was it the night after you went, Chris, I went to go see a couple Kyle, nights, but yeah. Yep. And, uh, me and Hannah and David and Sam fine went out to Boston to see Kyle, uh, do the Mac show at the Royale. And, um, first of all, I don't know if Kyle's going to hear this, but dude, you killed it, Kyle. It sounded awesome, <laughs> man. And it didn't sound like what you expect for a club show. It mm-hmm. sounded polished and tight and really controlled and still got it, bro. Um, I, and that was really fun. Uh, but also just watching the way that he interacts with these people and working in a, a house club gig, you are a doormat. People are just stepping <laughs> on you. It's brutal, man. Those, those poor people. Um, no, I'm in like again, and I think it's like from my own trauma of like you know being the 22 year old girl, because uh, I'm I'm 33 now, I guess yeah. And there was like not that many women. There was actually like none. Like the first woman I met, I took her number because I was like, you are so <laughs> fucking cool that I gotta know like how you're doing this. You know, she came in with an M7 in this tiny ass club. We carried up this board up the stairs. It was incredible. Um, but you know, some people were so freaking mean. Like I remember one guy, you know, again, we're in the big room, it's changeovers, it's all analog. I'm like swapping lines and I, I mispatched and he just yells at me, figure it out or I will. I was like, okay. Okay. Then right. you do and it, like, bro. I'm like, trying. <laughs> you know, like, I, <laughs> again, like I do want this van to go on. Like I'm trying to figure it out. And it's like his face is burned in my brain. And then when I moved to Toronto, it was a better, bigger club. And he comes in and he's smiling and he talks to me. He didn't remember me, but I'm like, man, I will never forget you because mm. you were so freaking mean because I was 22 and I mispatched your XLR. Mm. You know, like at the end of the day, that was never going to make or break your life. It's a freaking XLR. You know, we're not heart surgeons here, whatever. Well, I mean, here's the other thing. If the, my first interaction with this tech is to be abusive, the second interaction I need to have with them. It's not, there's a point when they just don't do what you want anymore. They don't want to help you no. anymore because you're not being nice. You know, no, for sure. I, I wrote a little bit about that in my book, which is like, okay, it's, you know, you walk into like a club and it's a club system, like shit's broken. 
shit's broken. You know what I mean? And so you might have like six things that are not right, but if you make a shit fit about the first one on the list, you're not getting the other five. They, they might do it for you. And then they're going to just be a dick to you the rest of the day. Cause you were mean. So don't do that. Like, is it worth it? You know what I mean? Like it, you, I want to preserve that relationship. I want these people. Hey, shout out to Ryan O'John for the day counter. <laughs> I want these people. If I run into these people again, I want them to be happy to see me. Yeah, 100%. And I think no. short of endangering someone's life, which I mean, should never happen at a show. <laughs> but you know, there are scenarios, you know, power cases, whatever, something involved, you know, like, yeah, why would you be yelling? Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maxine, what's your favorite type of music to mix live? Oh, tough question. Uh, I always like to say whoever's paying me is nice. <laughs> um, because really, it's a valid answer. It's a valid it's a answer. answer. Yeah, you know, there's like, it's like, I probably lean towards more the rock. Like I started off with kind of maybe the heavier metal stuff uh, and moved more rock. I really like pop, but I love when there's a backing band, you know, like Mm -hmm. to me, when it's purely tracks, um, it's not quite as fun. But when people are like, oh, that's an easy show to mix. I'm like, it's actually not, you know, you're still kind of writing tracks. You're still, you know, there's still stuff to sit. It's not just a CD. Uh, But really, yeah, a, a few live I think tracks and a backing band and a great singer. That's like my dream gig. What was What's that up? thing they were Good. doing on the Discord, Chris? That uh, you basically give it your Spotify login and it creates like a festival lineup poster with all the uh, stuff you've been yeah. listening to. Yeah. And I, it made me realize how much, how much of my listening is work related. <laughs> In other words, you know, not just I'm driving in the car and I want to hear this music just because it's recreational, but I'm I'm trying to learn an artist's music, um, which is a little bit different than I'm not a front of house engineer for most of my work. So like, I, you know, it's not quite the same thing as like, I have to mix these songs. So I have to know every node and all that stuff. Like, it's really not the same thing when you're like tuning the PA, but, but I still find that it really does help me to do my job if I've got some more context about the artist's music or whatever. And it's just like, wow, most of the music I listen to is in relation to somebody that's hired me to do a job for them. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing necessarily, but I'm thinking about what Sully said when we had him on the show, um, where he doesn't just, you don't just turn it off. Like you go, you go home and then you don't worry about like, mm-hmm. this, you know, I also, I really like not having music on, but when it, but when I am listening <laughs> to something like I, I'm usually, I usually have some sort of agenda there. Not always, but, um, yeah, it's just it's just interesting to me. You, we kind of don't realize how much this permeates our lives compared to a normal person that has like works from nine to five in the insurance office and then go home and do something that's not insurance. You know, that's just oh, yeah, not I a mean, reality. If you're not listening to the single twenty times in a row, being like, "Did I nail that reverb? Did I, like, <laughs> oh shoot, I missed this part," or like, "This is not in the arrangement here," you know. But yeah, you just you got to obsess. I think that's why we're all in this, right? Well, I, I, I like asking, this, asking that question because I, for me, my daily listen of music would not necessarily be my choice of what my what I want, want to mix live the most because to me it's two different experiences, you know, um, and um, and and the work involved and and stuff like that. So that's why sometimes it's you know I, I think sometimes people maybe who are outside of our industry or whatever think that like. You know, the pinnacle would be mixing our favorite band, but sometimes I don't think that's the case. Or I, I, I think venture to guess often that's not the case, but I don't know. I think that 
for me, it's been a wonderful conduit to discover new stuff because I don't particularly have a certain genre of music that I like love or is like my favorite or anything like that. But like we're at a festival and I hear a new band on the other stage. I'm like, yo, that's cool shit. And then like, okay, I was, you know, and so then you kind of go down this rabbit hole of like, so to me, it's, it's about, it's very much about, I want to find bands that I like or artists that I like, not just because of the sound of their music or whatever, but I want to see their show kind of the experience that they're putting together. And like, as I, as I gain respect for that, for what the artist is doing, I start to like the music more. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's it's not just music at, in its own vacuum product, like on a, on a Spotify playlist or something. To me, it's about what is this art, artist doing and what are they trying to communicate? And when I start understanding that, I really start to appreciate the music. So I think that's part of it too, is, is it's, it's way, it's way different for me to hit random on Spotify or whatever versus going to a festival and watching a band you've never heard of play music and going, oh, okay, this is cool. I get this. Like that's, and that's man. I, I miss that so much about yeah. having a house gig. Cause in Toronto, it was really, mm. we were six fifty cap venue. So you were either going up or you're going down. So you know, both, <laughs> that's Cosworth, both sides are, are, you know, <laughs> possibly good sides to be on. But man, like every once in a while, a band would come in and I'm like, there's no way. I mean, I probably would have heard about you six months later because you mm. blew up, you know, but I'm like, I, I would text friends. I'm like, yo, you got to come see this tonight. Like, this is sick. And I mean, one <laughs> band in particular I'm thinking of, uh, a friend didn't want to come. And literally like six, seven months later, that artist was like selling out a venue twice the size in Toronto. And he texts me, he's like, hey, do you want to come to this thing tonight? Got an extra <laughs> ticket. I'm like, dude, you could have seen them play for 300 people. Um, no, I'm a stop. I don't want to come. I was actually working. I couldn't go, but you know, like it was just such a great way to discover new artists. Cause like, you're like, yeah, watching their sound check and then the show. And it's an interesting experience. Yeah. Certainly through the years, there's been plenty of artists where like, had I just heard them on the radio, Spotify, whatever mall, whatever, um, you know, you, the I mall? Would... <laughs> you say mall. <laughs> Oh, you have you have girls, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, or when I was younger, I mean, this is, I'm we're not. This isn't a finite amount of time, but anyway. Um, but <laughs> yes, it, anyway. Um, uh, it's funny because Kyle and I were just talking about how we experience new music and like going back to the record store where you have to like scan your CD and like listen to like thirty seconds of the song, and that's how you get introduced to new music. But anyway. Um, yeah, but most... I mean, the idea of waiting for a release date and going to the record store. <laughs> When I, I was in college, my buddy Chris went to there was a there was a I don't have you, I remember the name of the record store. It was right across the street from from the main building, Tower and he Records. went in there and he duped a new employee into giving him the new Incubus CD a day early, nice. and he it was like he robbed a bank, man. He thought he was <laughs> the hottest shit. Um, but you know the other part of that too is like you know Fletcher texted me uh, this summer. He said, "Hey man, I'm going to be at you know that venue in Syracuse, Lakeview, whatever it is. Said, you know, come out." It's like, yeah, I'd love to. So I'm, I'm there to see Fletcher. I don't even know who he's with. I never heard of the band yeah. before or anything like that. And I'm like, I, I took my buddy with me and we're sitting there and he's like, this is the craziest shit I've ever seen. Like we're watching, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, um, that is a lot of it too, is I, I went with no preconceived notions about this act, which no one ever buys a fucking concert ticket and knowing nothing about, no one buys random concert tickets. Right. So I'm, I'm just going in blind yeah, a festival will be the only scenario where maybe you don't know a bunch of the open acts, but for, yeah, yes, but, but a, you're still, a, a, a single show. Yeah. 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 So I just put my buddy in the car with me and we went out and I had no idea. And I mean, it was fever three, three, three. And that guy, they are crazy. He 
snapped the drum riser in half and piled all the wedges <laughs> in the middle of the stage and made a slide and then poured water down it. And he was like, slide. and they got this guy's got to run out and fix shit behind. Like it was, you know, it's like, this is insane. Like, this is totally, what, <laughs> like, this is, I never ever in a million years would have bought a ticket for this or sought it out or yep. anything like that. And it never would have been on my radar unless I was going to visit somebody that was working on it. And I was just sitting there like, I am so fucking glad I came to see this because this is insane. You know, it was wild shit. So I think that's part of it too is, is uh, it's so always so funny. Like, you know, I go to my parents, Hey, I'm going to see uh, so-and-so next week. Do you want a ticket? And they're like, no, nah, I don't really like that. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not going for the artist. I'm going to see my buddies, <laughs> you know? No, that's what, that's, what I was, that's what I was getting at after we got derailed by the mall, apparently, um, was that, you know, most music that I appreciate now are things that I have experienced live. Um, you know, like, for instance, the whole Tyler, the creator thing. Right. I mean, like, obviously, we had, you know, five oh whatever on and we uh, or sorry, five one um, and um, and uh, and I'd heard about him or whatever. But like once I experienced the show live, it clicked. I was like, this just makes total sense now, you know, uh, and many other artists as well. Um, even like bands that I had toured with, you know, uh, to be cliche again, like even Tears for Fears. Like I didn't care about Tears for Fears before I toured with them. And now like I could listen to the entire catalog. But honestly, if I were to pick most of the other synth pop bands from around the time, Depeche Mode and whatnot, I don't really care about any of them. It's not the genre. It's not the period. It was that emotional connection I had, mm-hmm. both working for them, learning about you know the, behind them, you know behind the scenes of what, how the songs were written, all those things. That emotional attachment is what drives it home for me. All right, Max, what's what's the oddball one? Because you know, there's some artists you like where when you say to somebody you like them, they're like, "Wait, you like them?" and they're surprised because it doesn't seem like something you would like. And that's that's general on purpose, but I I know that for mine's Five Iron Frenzy because Kyle and Chris were both like you like <laughs> Five Iron Frenzy like they were so they couldn't believe it. like you like Christian Scott I'm like no I hate Christian Scott <laughs> but I love Five Iron Frenzy so what what's your Five Iron Frenzy Max Oh man God okay I, I guess it depends when you met me you know like when I was like an angry 15 year old punk like secretly <laughs> listening. To the tragically hip too, which I don't know if you guys will know who that is. I bet Ka- I bet Kyle, Kyle mixed will. them. Yeah. <laughs> no, he mixed all okay. of those bands. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I just gotta like derail this for a bit and make this into a Canadian animal. Do it. Yes, yeah, do it. Um, but they're uh, uh like a famous uh, radio rock band here. And I would really encourage people to check them out. Uh, because uh, I, I just love their stuff like growing up because his lyrics are always really poetic and he talks a lot please about Please don't say nickelback. Oh my God, no, that would kill me. <laughs> the embarrassment of being from the same country as that guy. <laughs> no, no, he, seriously, it's worth checking them out. Um, you know, kind of standard rock, really great lyrics. And the the singer had a really particular voice. And I would say also right now, what kind of an, another interesting and sad fact is he passed away of uh, brain cancer about five years ago. Mm. And there's a great documentary that was made about it because when he got diagnosed, like the last thing he wanted to do was go on tour. Mm. and uh there's not many bands of and i mean it's it's funny to say of their stature because you guys don't know who they are you know you live in uh, probably one of the biggest uh music countries in the world um but they're selling out arenas in canada right so and that mm. was another kind of point of contention in their 
uh, career is that in upstate New York, they could sell a lot of tickets, you know, certain places in Texas, whatever. But, you I know, guarantee Florida, it wasn't upstate New York. <laughs> it's 100% upstate New York. Really? Read the well, book. Mike yeah. is from upstate New York. No, there's no, well, no one's from here. It's, it, what was the band? Exciting we, we didn't get, we I didn't have get, family in upstate New York. We didn't get to the name Anyways, of the band. Uh, the Tragically Hip. Oh, wait, I'm going to look that oh, up. You, you said that. There, okay. there is. Yeah, yeah. So we, we are famously bad at selling tickets for concerts <laughs> here. It's like like when Bieber did his huge national tour, the only fucking city that didn't sell out was Syracuse, New York. Yeah. Oh, terrible. God. Okay. Yeah. See? <laughs> so, yeah, like I think as like a 15 year old punk, that was a that was a thing that, you know, I was like embarrassed about. I'm like, oh, I have the CDs. I can't. I got to hide the CDs. No one can see this. About, um, I, I got a Canadian band that maybe you know of. Um, they're not. They're not doing much now. Art of Dying. Do you know Art of Dying? I do not. Mm, all right. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, I know it's like everybody thinks that, but not every Canadian knows every Canadian. I know this. I just, you know, they, I, they happened to be a support act on the Disturbed tour that I was on, and I loved them, but they were all from Canada. Um, and uh, and it was, I don't know, it was, they, were, they were a great band. Um, so I was, yeah, that's all I got for Canada. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, right now, I don't even want to look at like what I've been listening to on Spotify. It, it's like very. Oh, we'll, we'll send you this link so you can make yourself a festival poster. Well, we'll <laughs> oh no, I, I've been trying. I've been trying. I, mean... I can't. I can't remember my password. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, well, let's uh... let's let's touch on. You know, we we've we've talked about this a lot, but um, it's still worth mentioning uh, from different people's perspectives. So, just about every tour you've done at least on your resume, you have listed that both you're the front of house and tour manager or monitors and and, and tour manager. So, and look, this is very common, obviously in, you know, this level of artists in terms of um, um, clubs and theaters and and, and festival runs and things like that. So um, do you like that? Is it a necessity of just, that's just where the work is at. So you have to do it. Like what's, what's that dichotomy like for you? I mean, I think the politically correct answer is yes, sure. I love it. (laughs) Um, you know, but I am trying to move more towards engineering. I think that's, you know, why I got into touring is because I love mixing. And it just, I kind of fell into a place where tour management became expected. Mm. And I'm an organized person. Uh, so I, I would say it comes naturally to me. And it's, you know, if you are, and again, I don't work for difficult people just because that's, you know, I don't need to have your stress in my life. I've already got my own stress. <laughs> um, so if if you're like an organized artist that doesn't need too much handholding. I'm fine with tour managing, you know, but at, at some point you realize like it, it, I mean, it is its own position for a reason. Uh, it's difficult to go get the after show pizza when you're mixing the encore. <laughs> you know, just dumb shit like that. What's that process like though, for you going into taking a front of house tour manager position for you to figure out, is it can be a difficult thing to work with? I mean, like, are you actually, do you get to air quotes, interview them and ask these questions? What, what does that process look like? I think sometimes there's meetings and I, and I will say that I think I'm just pricing myself out of the situations where I know it's going to be a hassle. And I, and I mean, if you're willing to meet me at my rate, then maybe we can check it out, you know, but it, it's like even just speaking with management and if they're like, Oh, there's going to be 15 press things every day. And I'm like, okay, well, no, you know, I can't be setting up the in-ear rack and doing that and doing this and mm. whatever, you know, like it, it's, it's become kind of clearer to me. I think at, through the years of doing this, when you talk to the management really, yeah, you ask them what they expect or what the artist is like. And sometimes people will like, again, very uh, politically correct way. Like the artists, you know, the managers will be like, oh yeah, the artist is like very young and fun. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, 
okay, like, so you mean I might have to go get them from the jail, you know, or whatever? I don't think I'm the person for this, you know? Or, or just, I mean, look, I mean, the being, uh, um, that might be a great band, but like you said, if this is their first tour, there's a clear cut sign that, Hey, there's gonna be a lot of training or handholding or babysitting involved because they just don't know the, the, um, uh, the unwritten rules of the road and, and, and back of house ethics and, or, um, you know, um, uh, you know, codes and, and things like that. Right. I mean, that's gotta be, and, you know, I've actually done a lot of tours with young women and I will say that it has worked out quite well. I think it's like the, like a part-time mom, I think to all these musicians. <laughs> and so when you have the younger artists and I mean, they've all been very dedicated to their work, right? Like they're sure. not, uh, I mean, if, if they stay out and party, like they're still going to be at the lobby at seven. Cause that's mm. what I said that the departure time was, you know? So I don't mind explaining to you like hotel etiquette and whatever. Um, if you're going to meet me there and you know, you're going to put in the work, it's more the people where like, yeah, you're going to have to run after them. You're going to have to order all their food. You're going to have to whatever, you know, like that's just not possible when you're wearing two hats and you're possibly driving and you're dealing with other stuff. And I mean, I'll, I'll tell management, I'm like, it sounds like, you know, this person needs an assistant as well, you know? Man, I got a friend who does um, those 80s rock cruises where they just get a bunch <laughs> of like 80, you know, all these people had one hit in the 80s. Oh God. They put them all on a boat and they go out for two weeks and he's a production uh, coordinator. So basically what he does is go get these guys when it's their time to go play their, <laughs> their set. It's just wrangle. <laughs> and every, you know, every artist on that boat thinks they're like the greatest artist in the world. Like they all have just these, you know, they're still from the hair rock thing. And he thinks it's the greatest thing ever because he gets drunk with all these guys and hears all these crazy stories. But I'm just like, man, that sounds terrible. <laughs> you know, like he thinks it's great. So, all right, Max. So speaking of the sound girls panel that we did, you talked a lot about kind of finding your path and how you were learning and coming up. At what point did you realize like, whoa, I'm a role model for other people I, now? Cause you know, when you're doing something like a panel, you're being asked to share your guidance and sort of talk to the next generation. Did you, did you feel a point where you felt it kind of flip and you're like, I got something to offer now or you're making a face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still kind of, um, you know, growing into that role because it really, you know, not to say, like, I think it's the classic thing where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm really confident, but it, maybe you're not so confident internally. Um, mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it took me a while to be like, oh, yeah, like, I am good at this. Oh, I made a mistake, but it's okay. You know, tomorrow, like, there's a mm -hmm. reason. Actually, one musician put it really well is I was having a really bad day, and I think somebody had said something mean. He's like, you know, we take you out because we trust you, right? I was mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, yeah. Okay, duh. You know, like, it, mm -hmm. it, it really... I hadn't thought about that. I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, like I realize I'm not just a warm body there, you know, to to sit there. But it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's been, uh, it's been a, I guess, a journey, you know. Yeah. And it's all, I guess, just in time. Like the kids that I was teaching last year, like some of the the other uh, student teacher with me, he's a producer here in Montreal. And one of the kids was like, how have you guys done so much? And we're like, you realize we're like in our early 30s, right? Like you're 21. <laughs> That's why like when I was 21, I wasn't doing this. You know, like you're just kind of growing into it. And then at some point you turn around and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not 21 anymore. Like mm -hmm. I am an emerging uh, mentor maybe. I, I remember, I mean, we've had Hannah on the show a bunch. And obviously she was one of the first people who reached out to me for mentorship. And she's, you know, anyone who's been listening to the show for a couple of years has just seen her progress and seen her develop as a professional and she's got her own mentee now, you know, and it kind of just 
worked out. But one day she was like, hey, I think I'm like, think I could like mentor somebody like like to watch her go, hey, I have something to offer. You know, yeah. like I, I, I feel like I could guide somebody and I can help somebody. And especially coming from somebody who struggled to build confidence for so long, it was not that she's done learning just to watch her kind of realize like, no, I have come a long way and I've learned a bunch of stuff and I see somebody now who's a couple of years behind me and they were dealing with the stuff that I was struggling with. And I think I can help. And it's just like, that's a cool moment kind of to watch as an observer. And, you know, whenever we do the sound girls things and, and you know, I did some stuff with women's audio mission and those situations, I'm like, I'm a dude, like, why am I here? You know what I mean? Like I, you want, you want to let, you want to let, if it's a sound girls panel, you want to let women get up there and, and speak. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see more manufacturers have more women on panels when it's not, you know, the, uh, the women hour or whatever. It's still, it kind of blows my mind that in 2022, I'll see like panels and be like, damn, like really? You got no one else you could ask? Yeah. That we're not going to have a female guest on and go, what's it like to be a woman in audio? That's a bullshit question. <laughs> you know that like, when we had Carrie on and we have Michelle on and you have these just super, super iconic uh, really well-respected women who are, you know, super well-known engineers. Like they have been asked that fucking question in every goddamn interview they've ever done. And so we don't need to ask it. If you want to know what Carrie has to say about being a woman in audio, I'm sure you can find that. Yeah. hundred you know? percent. Yeah. I mean, that's no, that's I the- think that's great. I, okay. I appreciate that, <laughs> but I guess I just, I still want to see the representation and yeah, not on the women in audio panel, but you know, like, like I said, the first time I met, a female engineer like it just blew my fucking mind yeah you know and it's not because i didn't think i could do it or that there was no one else out there but they're just physically there was not sure like there was legit no one you know and i am a white woman so i'm like i can't imagine what it would be like to grow up and be like a black 16 year old and be like yeah right. like, i want to see like a badass black monitor engineer sure like yeah have them on your panels you know it's it's just yeah. like i think representation matters in that regard I, well that all right what then which well, this is that since we're here in this conversation it's um I mean, how do you feel about maybe the approach we're having? I'm fine if the approach we're having is wrong necessarily. I mean, like we certainly believe in wanting to help to get air quotes, change the face of the industry or whatever, help in that mechanism. Like what, in your opinion, because look, we, we have people have came to us approaches about some different things we've done through the couple of years in terms of diversity and, um, and it's opened our eyes a little bit on some things. So what, what are your thoughts on how we as a let's narrow it down to our community singles of noise or whatever what, what does what does it look like what how can we help better no i mean i think you guys are doing great work that was i was not uh coming at you <laughs> uh, i just think that you know like the username is not neutral you know and you can mm. read um you know there's a lot of studies about women in gaming and neutral names and you know mm. when somebody realizes that it's a female gamer and then it's like those yeah, servers are gonna mention that like so, uh, they go. Whoa, there's a girl playing Counter Strike. Yeah, like it, there's memes yeah, and about you that know now. Yeah. their username is Hamburger Four Hundred. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> how did you know that I was a girl? You know, um, so I, yeah, I, don't, I mean, it, it's just I, I think we just like we can't erase the gender issue, but I guess it can't just all be about gender. That's something that that I've really found lovely about this community is we've got so many people coming in from all over the world and from all different backgrounds and from all different ethnicities and different cultures and everybody's helping each other and we have not had to scold or ban or kick anybody for being inappropriate. And we've never, we had, we had one person who was a troublemaker, but they weren't, they weren't doing anything that was, you know, against a a gender or an age group or anything like that. Um, And I'm not saying the problem solved. There's a, there's a long way to go, but 
in general, it gets to a point where there's more awareness and there's more consciousness and that creates more awareness and more consciousness and, sure. and boy, it's early I mean, you're on. Doing, so, but- yeah. You're doing great work. Cause I think like, you know, if, if I did not have like, I mean, of course, like many of my mentors are women, but also many of them are men, you know, and if they had not helped me, if they had not recommended me, if they had not opened the door for me, I wouldn't be where I am today, you know? So I think that's what you guys are doing uh, with the community and I'm like glad to be part of it as well. Awesome. Aww. All right, let's bring it back on you and less, less us. Uh, so I'm going to ask Sam's question. Um, what's something you know now that you knew you wish you knew when you started? Oh, she got ask, her. Did, I, did I ask that right? I asked that right, <laughs> didn't I? Some, yeah, that's just oh, something man. you wish you knew when you started. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. it. You got her, though, look. I think like the less is more. I, I really do subscribe to that. And I'm thinking back about that like awful first monitor gig or, you know, monitors in front of house feedback situation is, (laughs) you know, I didn't fully understand that the more that I carved up that 31 band EQ, the more everything else was going to create problems for me. Uh, You know, and and that took me a while to be like, yeah, like, you can't just keep carving stuff up. Like, you know, if it's bad from the get go, you know, find what is the most offensive and like, you know, deal with that. Um, So I think that and, uh, oh God. Yeah, less is more. I, I I do like that idea. I, I've always kind of been. Uh, I don't want to say I'm not a plugins person because I feel like that's like suicide in 2022. But I don't <laughs> love it when people show up with a show file that's you know 600 plugins. So that is a, is a weird uh, flex to me. I can't imagine the um, the waves update plan emails that you must get when you own 600 plugins because I own <laughs> literally six wave plugins and it's just total chaos and it gives me such anxiety. With oh well, your second license is expiring and you're gonna click the no- now there's a there's a new version and it has no new feature we updated the help files and it's thirty nine dollars like what is happening I go I, <laughs> it's just no for my I mean, own sanity man I wouldn't this is like that. one show I'm thinking of but we had like we had a profile or we had an SC forty eight at front of house and this this guy came in and he had a profile file and he's like oh my god none of my EQs will load. I was like, man, how bad does your band sound? They have like four <laughs> plugins on every channel. Like, and they did not, you know, they did not sound that bad. And I mean, the reality is the audience does not care that you own that SSL EQ. Like, they're not like, oh my God, perfect cut at 160. You know, I think if you did it on the onboard EQ or the SSL, like, did you cut it? Great. Great show. Yeah. I love that. Love that's it. wonderful. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Um, all right. My question is, you are, where are you based? Where are you joining us from right now? I'm in Montreal. Okay. So you are, you're still in the homeland. All right. So we're going to come up, we're going to brave the border crossing, uh, gauntlet and you're going to take us out for lunch. Where are we going to go? In Montreal? Yes. Oh man. <laughs> Can we go bad? to Toronto instead? Yeah. <laughs> we'll go wherever you want. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, damn it. Now I don't even know what to answer. That's you don't even have like a questions. favorite place that you like get a jonesing for once in a while and you're like, I'm just gonna go. Well, I would take you to my hometown. So in Ottawa, we would go to this Chinese we're, we're restaurant. We're going all over apparently. Yeah, we're going all, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tour, right? So, and, but there's no shows in Ottawa, but that's a whole discussion for another day. Um, there's <laughs> play, a Chinese I, restaurant I called So Goods. The arena, yeah. I mean, it's like the. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Well, that's when you were the little bands, you know? Like, I mean, growing up, like, I was like, oh, my favorite band is playing Toronto and Montreal. Damn it. I'm 13 (laughs) years old. I can't take the bus, you know? Like, 
Um, yeah, Sorry. It's a, a whole other episode, but yeah, we're going to go to so goods. Cause they have this incredible dish called pepper salt tofu and it's a deep fried tofu. And it's uh, I'm a pescatarian now. I was a vegetarian for a long time and it, I believe it is what popcorn chicken from KFC tastes like, hmm. Interesting. but it is tofu. It is incredible. Hmm. Cool. I feel like Sam would have appreciated that. Were she here with us tonight? That seems like mm. something that's up her alley. Well, any of you come out, we'll go to Ottawa. So good. Okay. For the record, Toronto me. is dangerous in the winter. Um, so one of the times I was there, and that um, sounds like a blanket statement, Chris. I think you should qualify it before we get. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting emails. there. I'm getting okay. there. I'm getting there. Um, and by dangerous, I mean, and and you can maybe vouch for this, Maxime, is that um, so we were playing the arena there um and we were told we weren't allowed to go outside um because ice sheets were falling off the cn tower uh and impaling cabs um and so we weren't allowed to walk down the cats cabs cabs Cabs, cars like the taxi taxi oh i was like what is happening over there yeah okay that makes more sense yeah um and so ice sheets were falling off the tower uh or buildings or whatever um and impaling a, a car that day or you know and so we they didn't want it to be a liability of us getting crushed by ice if we went outside. So, uh, and it was legitimately that that day or weekend we were there or whatever. The wind was so bad that I legitimately had a hard time walking up the street. Like it was one of those like <laughs> like what you see in the movie. Like it was real life. Like we actually tried it. Like it was hard to walk up the street. So yeah, uh, I mean, again, I lived in Toronto, so I feel like I can say that. But you know, it's not as cold as it is in Ottawa and Montreal. So you kind of get a, a better winter in. Uh, like I would just wear my. Uh, my Blundstone boots all winter in Toronto walking to work. I, I don't really do that here because my feet would freeze. Um, Toronto yeah. also has a cool like Santa Day parade though, don't they? Like a, um, I think every city has a Santa parade, no? No, it was like, it, it felt different. Like I was there, like because obviously y'all don't have um, Thanksgiving, but you have. We do, it's, no, they just, do. it's three, just a different one. It's in October. Oh, but this was like, <laughs> I feel like it was like specifically like a, like a, like a Santa Day parade or something like that, that I was there for when I was on tour and like there's Santa I, Claus parades like I actually was just in in Ottawa the past weekend and I I uh I crossed the Santa Claus parade there in the suburb going like, to the legal weed store it was very it, well in the very, states I mean like the Thanksgiving Day parade like ends with Santa but it's not like the whole parade's about Santa I don't know. I, you're saying it's, it's more Santa centric across the yes. border. Is it's that a, no, it's like a Santa. It's a thing for kids. You I know. know like, I mean, yeah. it's a bunch of floats, and there's a Santa. Yeah, uh, which we probably stole from America, and it, it is around, I guess, Thanksgiving time. Like, just because if you put it too late in December, it would probably be too cold. <laughs> I assume that's the logic, but <laughs> probably. Anyway, I don't know how we ended up to Santa Claus. We're now well into Santa logistics, and I didn't think we were going to be talking about this tonight. <laughs> that's all right. So, Maxime, if you uh, I know you still think maybe you're young in your career and life. It's all good. Um, if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? See, we save the head, we save the head, the heavy hitters <laughs> for the end here. I know. I'm like brain is fried. I'm like, shit, I got to answer this. Um, I think again, just being a good person to work with and, uh, either learning something from someone else I'm working with or teaching them something. Cause I think we're all still learning. I still make yes. a bunch of mistakes, still learn a bunch of stuff all the time. Uh, and really, yeah, I just, I, I'd like to be remembered as someone who, who helped you through a situation. And that's how I'd like to remember my friends as well is that they're good people to call if you're having a problem. And you know, that's, that's, uh, why we keep our tech friends around. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I got a call last night at like 11 o'clock from a buddy of mine who works with one of the vendors here. 
in uh, upstate. And he goes, hey, man, I just want you to talk me through uh, end fire array alignment real quick because the DJ is going to shit his pants. Real quick. That's what he said. <laughs> I was like, okay, so. Hold on. So, like, he's in show. The DJ is having a hard time, and now he wants to change the song. No, sub. I guess they, they set it up. They set it all up, and they turned it on, and it was just too much. And they were like, we have to steer this. So uh that's that's what i got but i was just like you never know when your phone rings man you never know what you're gonna get so uh it was fun maxine thank you it's awesome to chat. thank you great yes, to have thank you. you very much appreciate it